Welcome to Muddy River News This Week, brought to you by Harvey's Furniture. My name is David Adam. I am the editor here at Muddy River News. And joining us today is the president of Hannibal LaGrange University, Dr. Robert Matz. Good morning. Good morning, David. It's a privilege to be here with you. Well, thank you for, for taking the trip over and, and spending some time with us. You were just named the president on October the 14th. Um, as we tape this today, it is November the 3rd. How much of a whirlwind have the last three weeks been for you? You know, the last three weeks have been, um, have been a bit of a whirlwind, absolutely. There's so much to do. There's so many opportunities for Hannibal LaGrange in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, but I've been at Hannibal LaGrange now for a little over a year mm -hmm. in the academic dean and vice president for academics spot there, as well as for the last nine months or so serving as executive vice president overseeing the day-to-day -day operations of the university. And so in a lot of ways, while yes, this has been a whirlwind, in a, a lot of ways as well, this was something that in, I, I was already doing many of the, of the mm -hmm. functions of. So thanks for asking. Well, give the view, you know, you've only been around really this area for not a very long time. Give them, uh, the viewers a little bit of your background. I, mean, we, I don't need you to reread the resume, sure. but I know that you uh, spent times uh, 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 before you came to Hannibal Grange over in the Kansas City area. Tell people what you've been doing for most of your professional life. Sure. So, so for the 10 years prior to coming to Hannibal Grange, I worked at a Baptist uh, seminary in the Kansas City area. And in addition to that, and was part of a process of some transitions in that school where that school was really struggling uh, when when I first started there and a number of others of us first started there and got to see a good work occur mm -hmm. in that in that seminary uh, where that seminary's enrollment went from about a thousand students to about four thousand five hundred students and went from really struggling to really um, really thriving mm -hmm. in in some really incredible ways and so that was uh, a big part of my professional journey as well. In addition to that, I've also pastored churches uh, prior to coming mm -hmm. uh, to Hannibal LaGrange. So how did you end up at Hannibal LaGrange? What, you know, where, where are you originally from? I'm originally from the South. I may still have a bit of that twang. <laughs> Uh, now, when the, you say the South, how far South are we talking? Uh, so I grew up in four different Southern cities, Nashville, Birmingham, Jackson, Mississippi, and Atlanta. Okay. And so very, very much Southern cities. I there. don't really hear the twang, but now that you mentioned it, I'm probably going to be sitting here listening okay. for the rest of the interview. Okay. And, uh, and so it's, it's mellowed a little bit in my, sure. in my 12 years in Missouri. Uh, but I, I do have that as my background. So grew up in the South, but then, uh, then went to college in Nashville at Vanderbilt University, mm -hmm. studied engineering there. While there, felt uh, a call as a Christian. I felt God calling me into the ministry. And so left Nashville, let, graduated from that engineering degree at Vanderbilt and went to seminary at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And then doc did doctoral work in Lynchburg, Virginia at Liberty University. Okay. And then had an opportunity to come to Midwestern. Uh, about 12 years ago now and served there for a little or right at 10 years or I guess it was 11 and a half years ago now for right at 10 years and then a little under a year and a half ago came to Hannibal LaGrange and the story there is I wasn't looking to leave Midwestern enjoyed what I was doing there I was a professor there I was overseeing our online programs mm -hmm. uh, there and was pastoring a church there as well just kind of as a way to serve and give back mm -hmm. Uh, to our community there was serving in a church as well, uh, part-time. 
and uh, just began to get phone calls uh, from both the then president of Hannibal LaGrange as well as from a number of friends of mine saying, Robert, you need to consider being the, the academic dean mm -hmm. at Hannibal LaGrange. And so talked with my wife about that, prayed about that, and believed the Lord was in that. And so wasn't looking to leave, but the opportunity came open and we moved to Hannibal, kind of took a leap of faith sure. in that and uh, leaped into a situation where we, we just fell in love with this community in this town. I think oftentimes people in rural America have an unnecessary inferiority complex. There is so much that is wonderful about Hannibal, about Quincy, mm -hmm. about the tri-state areas, uh, that in a pace of life, that in a way of living is just refreshing when you come from a larger city. Sure. And there is so much charm, so much character, so much culture here that is worth promoting, worth valuing, and worth prioritizing. And uh, it is a wonderful place to be. And we have fallen in love with this community and are so excited to be part of it. This is, I guess, technically not your first stint as president. You were named the acting president yes. when Dr. Allen, uh, Dr. Anthony Allen resigned back in January. Mm -hmm. Um, when you, ha you hadn't been here long. Mm -hmm. So did you have, how much of a sense did you have of the school's financial issues when they came to you in January? I mean, you, you came here, I think, in, J in July, mm -hmm. right? Yes, I came here, in you've July. You've been here six months. Yes. And all of a sudden, here's this school, and oh, you know, when, did, when did you get a sense of, oh, wow, we, we've got a big financial hold here we have to deal with? You know, we, we as a university, our board of trustees contracted with an outside firm to function as our CFO. As our CFO uh, had cancer and she had to step away from that position actually right before I started at okay. Hannibal LaGrange. Uh, she was still in the role but, but was undergoing treatment and so sure. really wasn't available to do it. And, uh, and so they contracted with an outside firm and that outside firm began to bring us reports in particular over Christmas break last year. And it became really clear really quickly in that that we were facing imminent disaster. And, um, and so uh, as I accepted the acting role, I was aware of where we were and what was going on and had a very clear mandate from our trustee board. And our trustee board is to be commended for this. They said, uh, very clearly, we believe God still has a plan. He still has a future for Hannibal LaGrange. We believe people are going to rally to this university. And, um, and we, we believe we're still going to be here. We've mm -hmm. been here 164 years. Uh, we're not done. And God's going to do a new work here. And, uh, and so got to be part of that process for the last nine months. And uh, am privileged now to be in a position to help lead the path forward. You mentioned that you know you, you learned about this in January. Uh, transitional president uh, yes. Dr. Rodney Harrison uh, made an announcement in March. We need to raise two point two million dollars, or we're going to have to shut the doors. Essentially, mm -hmm. we've learned a lot about that. But what was it like on campus? What was it like among the, the the faculty and the people who were working there? Was there a sense of oh man, we're in really big trouble. Or, because you mentioned that the Board of Trustees mm -hmm. was like, we're not done fighting yet. Yes. What did you sense on campus on a day-to-day -day basis while you were there? You know, I think it was really mixed. I think there was some, a number of folks who felt really heavy. Uh, there's a weight in it. Obviously, we had that day in March of prayer and fasting and mm -hmm. confession of our poor stewardship 
of, of what was there and how we had managed the resources we had. And uh, as a Christian, we believe that everything starts and everything comes from God. And so as a result, we wanted first and foremost to turn to God. Uh, and yet in that it is human and it is fully normal for us to, to be worried. And I remember looking at my wife at one point uh, late February, early March, and she asked me, what are the chances that the school is gonna be open in the fall? Mm -hmm. And I said, apart from God doing an incredible work, I'd say it's about 10%. No kidding. Yes, I, I, I directly said that to her. And yet in that, God did do an incredible work. And uh, he did that through people. He did that through churches. He did that through members of our community who rallied to the university mm -hmm. and said, we believe in what Hannibal LaGrange is all about. And, uh, and so I think there was, both, uh, there was both a heaviness. And yet I remember in sitting in one meeting with our board of visitors and our chair of our board of visitors, uh, looked at us as we talked through all of this, and he said, you know, I expected to come into this meeting, and this was early, late March, early mm -hmm. April, and he said, I expected to come into this meeting and it be uh, the, the thunderstorms of a hurricane, mm -hmm. and uh, it has rained, but it is the refreshing rain of spring where new life comes after the death of winter. Well, the fact was, was that, that you, you, you've learned about this, the public learned about this in March. Yes. And I, I, I would be one who thought, well, that's it, HLGs, they're, they're in big trouble now. Yes. They're, they're 2.2 million, they gotta, they gotta raise this by June. Yet by May 2nd, there was an announcement, we've already raised $1.5 million. Mm -hmm. Were there any stories of of, of gifts that were made or, or, or acts that people did that still stick with you today in regard to that, that thrust, I guess, that, that push, that $1.5 million one month surge that came in. Yeah, really, month and a half there, two months at most, where that really, really came in so strongly. And part of that as well was we sold a little bit of property. And so, so when you factor all the things in, um, the, the gifts by the end of June were 1.6 million. Other mm -hmm. things we did raised the other 600,000 there. Uh, but the stories that stick with me is so often in stories like this, what you have is you have one transformational gift, one big gift, one big donor who steps in. Hannibal Grange didn't have that. We had two $100,000 gifts. Those were the biggest we had. One was from a church. Uh, one was from a sweet old lady who wanted to, to, to no support kidding. us and help us. And, uh, and then in addition to that, it was so many people just sacrificially giving. Um, one young couple said, we've saved up for a down payment on a larger house. Here's the down payment on the larger house. Wow. Just $25,000 right there. Um, and it was over, I, I believe, over 700 total individual gifts that made it up. Uh, and that said, we believe in Hannibal LaGrange. We believe that it, in what it has done in our lives, in, in the mission of this university. And uh, we believe it's, it's still got a bright future of transforming lives and transforming communities. Well, the financial situation has obviously improved. It has. The school is open. Yes. You're, you're, you're going right now. Could you 
Is there a way to describe what is the difference between Hannibal Lagrange, other than a, a, a healthier checkbook? Yes. What is the difference between Hannibal Lagrange in January mm -hmm. and Hannibal Lagrange in November? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Obviously, there's a healthier checkbook. I would also say what you've seen happen at Hannibal Lagrange is a refining process. We are a much more efficient university in how we go about our day-to-day -day operations. Um, and so financially, there, there is a refinement there. We're spending at about 60% of the level we were spending at a year ago. Okay. And so that, that positions us in a much stronger position uh, for the future just from a pure objective financial position. Right. Uh, and in addition to that, I would say what you, you would see on campus right now is you would see a sense of hopefulness, a sense of joy that is much more palpable. As I've already shared, we're a Christian university, right. and so we have chapel services on our campus once a week. And uh, you would walk into our chapel services a year ago, and they were kind of heavy, or six months ago, nine months ago, they were kind of heavy. You know, we sing songs in there, and uh, most people weren't singing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you walk in today, and it's loud, and it's enthusiastic, and everybody's singing, and mm -hmm. it's it's an encouraging, exciting environment to be in. And there's just so much more joy, I would say, on campus. And the reason for that joy is because look what has happened. Right. Look what has taken place. And, uh, and so there's an, there's an optimism that Hannibal LaGrange, God's not done with it. There's a plan here. There's a future here for this university. Enrollment was around 1,200 students. I think the last I checked was around the... 2012, 2013, mm -hmm. um, it dipped down to around 700, I think 780 was the number that they had for last year. What is the enrollment at now? Mm -hmm. And I'll already ask the next question mm -hmm. is, there were several small liberal arts mm -hmm. private colleges that have seen enrollments shrink. Mm -hmm. We've seen some close. Yes, absolutely. Are you, is, is the university prepared to go forward at operating at us? A smaller number. Do we see the days of 1,200 students mm -hmm. at Hannibal Lagrange ever coming back anytime soon? You know, I think I think where we are, we can't in, anticipate and predict the future. Uh, but right now, our enrollment is down, uh, just over 500 for this semester. I'd anticipate our annual enrollment would be just over 600 for okay. the year, mm -hmm. and so that's compared to 780 a year ago, and that's understandable. I mean, you know, you go public with the fact that. Right. Uh, we're having severe financial challenges. We declare financial exigency, and, uh, and you walk through a season like that, and understandably, some students get nervous and right. choose to transfer to another school, and we don't fault anyone for that. That's, of course, their decision. Um, and yet, yet in that, uh, we are very much prepared to go forward with our, our enrollment now. As I shared, we're, we've cut costs by about 40% over a year ago, so we're much more sustainable. Part of the challenge we faced is we were still in many of our offerings, in many of the way we were operating, we were still trying to operate like that school of 1200 yeah. from 10 years ago. And that, that's well and good in a way, but you can't write the check for it when yeah. you don't have the enrollment for that. And so, so we want to make education affordable. We want to continue to do that. We've always prioritized that uh, through some pretty hefty scholarships we give most of our students. 
And so, so we just had to reduce our operating cost. Right. And we were able to do that in such a way that we were able to do that without cutting academic programs. We did cut some majors, but every program is still there. So, you know, you might have had a Bachelor of Science and a Bachelor of Arts in Communications, for example. Now we just have a Bachelor of Science in Communications. So every program is still there. We're very proud of that fact that we were able to save our programs and, uh, and continue to serve our students in that way and yet we believe yes we are in a very scalable position for the future and then in terms of what happens in the future higher ed is changing and it is changing yeah. rapidly and I think there's a lot of value for young people coming to campus and uh, having that on-campus experience being invested in uh, we're a Christian university we're an evangelical Christian university and so for that kid coming from an evangelical Christian background having those years of study and learning in an environment that is friendly to that uh, I think is is invaluable it helps them grow up into the adults they're meant to be and yet for many we know that coming to campus is no longer a practical reality yeah. And, uh, and so I, I believe I read the other day that approximately 30% 30, 30 of the U.S. population has some college but no degree. And what a loss yeah. that is because it's, it's not that hard to get the degree now. And so we've expanded our online offerings. We've already done that. We're offering uh, about seven online degrees in the undergraduate, psychology, criminal justice, business, um, Christian ministry, interdisciplinary studies, a couple different education programs. I was going to say, I was, really pretty, I was pretty impressed that you were able to remember all seven of yeah. them there. And then we have a degree completion program as well in nursing okay. uh, for someone who's an RN to finish their BSN online. And so we're really proud of that. And then at the graduate level, we have graduate programs in business leadership, Christian leadership, and several different education programs where someone can finish uh, a or get that master's degree, mm -hmm. that extra step up, or fin get a teaching certificate. We've recently, in partnership with that, launched a new degree completion program uh, to address the teacher shortage we're seeing in both Illinois, Missouri, yeah. and Iowa. And uh, we're, we're a para or someone who's working, a professional working in the school system who doesn't have their teaching degree can stay in the classroom they're involved, get their student teaching credit there in the classroom, get credit for what they're doing there in their school, and take those courses necessary to get that teaching certificate and become a licensed teacher. We're doing that in partnership with a couple school districts, but it's really open to anyone who would like to be part of that. So now that the, the waters aren't as rocky, yes. the ship is, you know, sailed through the storms that you had talked about earlier, now that you have gotten through that, are there goals or priorities for you in your first six to 12 months that you'd like to address uh, going forward? Yes, I, I think there are several, but first and foremost, I believe that these sort of processes are bottom up, not top down. And, uh, and so what we've begun on campus is we've begun a strategic planning process and we've invited uh, a number of different folks from both the community at large and from our campus community as well, business leaders, and, um, and church leaders and community leaders, as well as different uh, representatives of different groups on campus. And we're refining who we are as a school. And towards that end, one of the first documents that's coming out, we're in the process right now, 
Uh, but one of the first things we, that's come out of that is a new mission statement for the university. Mm -hmm. And uh, our current mission statement was great. Our, our previous mission statement was great. It covered everything we were. But I believe it was like 48 words long. It wasn't a statement. It was more of a paragraph. Nobody could remember it. <laughs> and, uh, and so we've really refined that down to what we do. We transform lives and communities uh, through relevant education anchored in a biblical worldview. That's what Hannibal LaGrange University is about. And so I think that's what we're going to get very loud about is transforming lives. That's part of what we do. We transform lives. We see lives changed. We see young people grow, mature into the people they're meant to be. And then they go out and they transform communities, be that church communities, local communities, uh, be that their, their workplaces. There's so many different communities right. they transform. And how do we do that? Through a relevant education. There's obviously a place for the research-based institution. I went to a tier one research university for my undergraduate degree. And yet, in those big research-based institutions, there's no opportunity for the professors and for the faculty to invest in their students in a real way. And so we're, we're not in that research-based category. We're in a category where, you know, a professor can invite his class over to have lunch at his house right. or her house one day, where uh, I, walk, I drove by our campus the other day and our CS department, our faculty there, Dr. Todd, Dr. Nelson, uh, and Mr. Hammontree were all there with our, our students and they were having a barbecue out on the patio uh, there and, and where there's that chance to get to know one another and then as well relevant because we now have an opportunity for some of our faculty uh, to, be, to be in a role where they're both our faculty and they're out in the professional workplace as well. And so they're able to bring those real world experiences into the classroom and invest in our students there uh, in very practical ways so that they, they know what they're doing and not just, you know, ivory tower egghead sure. sort of experience yeah. there that's divorced from reality. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Appreciate you coming over to visit with us and best of luck. I mean, you've, 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 uh, you've taken on quite a challenge here, but you seem to be very enthusiastic about the future of the university. I believe, I believe God did not bring this university this far to leave it where it is. I think he's got a great future in store for Hannibal LaGrange, and that's going to be a great future for our entire tri-state region as well. And thank you for joining us today. You can read more about Hannibal LaGrange University, and you can also watch archived versions of Muddy, Rivers, Muddy River News this week at muddyrivernews.com.